Welcome to The Storyteller, in which we talk to South Africans with an interesting story to tell. Catherine Croxton has a mission. It's to open people's eyes to the increasing economic threat of digital poverty. She started a non-profit organization, or as she prefers to call it, a for-impact organization called Sharp Digital. She wants to help people get the basic skills they need to become part of the digital economy. She provides free literacy courses accessible on smartphones that are short, simple and easy to understand. The aim is to give people foundational skills that will help them cross the ever-increasing digital divide. This is the story of Catherine's unusual journey. I'll start with the story that I think I shared before um, about leaving school early because I looked out the window and saw the clouds moving across the, the sky and I was in a history lesson. I actually liked history, but but uh, on this particular occasion, I saw these clouds and just suddenly had this realisation of, I don't need to be here. I Actually, those clouds are on the top of me now and now they're over there and there is a whole bunch of people doing other things. I just suddenly had this realisation, I need to go. And I use the word agency because it was like I realized I had agency. I could actually start saying what I wanted to do in my life. I think that's what actually happened. So I did. And and people let me. And then my father died and he was only 47. And the thing, the big takeaway, it was quite a trauma for our family. I'm the eldest of four girls, so I had three younger sisters. Um, but the big takeaway was, well, he had spent, I'd seen him all the through my life as this adult and relatively young adult, fairly stressed, struggling to kind of bring enough money in to feed his family and all the stuff that we kind of know as adults. And then buffy has gone. So, and, and I had been sold this story that you work through and you work hard through your adult life because you're going to get to a point when a stage in your life as a retired older person where you'll be able to enjoy yourself. And then I woke up and realized, well, that isn't necessarily the case, is it? So better focus on the now and not on preparing for this somehow long-term future space that you might not find yourself in because life, unexpected things can happen. So, yeah, I decided to pack it all in as best I could and experience things that maybe other people haven't experienced. I sort of went out of my way to do things differently. Um, and I'm a little bit embarrassed by this, really, because it just sounds that only only a very privileged person could make a choice like this. But but I made a choice that I needed to experience what it was like to be poor. I needed to experience what it was like to be um, on welfare. I was living in the UK. I needed to experience what it was like to be jobless. And it doesn't take much if you choose a certain road to end up in that place. And as a part of wanting to capture... Um, the most out of life, I also found myself in my 30s moving overseas to India, living in India for four years, living in Thailand for four years, living in South Africa as an expatriate for three years, living in Kazakhstan in Central Asia for three years. So these are all, I mean, there are people who live have lived 
in further pl other places, more places than this, but there's quite a lot. Um, and it's also added to my insight into kind of that the world is a very big place. To me, it sounds like you have been very nomadic in your life mm -hmm. and had a tremendous free spirit. Mm -hmm. And as a result, you have a very broad world view. And I, I think in particular, I find it interesting that your worldview has been of, of poverty because you have been in countries where poverty is quite large significant and dreadful and in your face and suffering like we can't we can't imagine and, and a lot of people just shut their eyes to it because you don't even want to begin to imagine so, so did you make a decision not to shut your eyes why did you focus on poverty ah uh, i I don't know. It's just a sense of just a sense of injustice, a sense of from being a little child and going, it's not fair, and then realizing that it's not fair doesn't just apply to you; it applies to everybody. And when you start to see it, you can't shut your eyes. I think once you've walked through a door and seen the other side of that door, I think it's very difficult to show you. Or maybe it's not. Actually, it can't be either because there must be people who are able to turn a blind eye. Um, but I just can't. <laughs> I have to sometimes for my sanity. I mean, you know, you can't... If you're sitting in a traffic jam in, in Delhi and you've got 40 beggars kind of bombarding you at the window, you have to turn. You can't feed everybody. You can't give them all a solution there and then. You have to turn a blind eye. And I can do that. I learned to do that. But it doesn't mean that I'm not oblivious. There's, there's turning a blind eye so that you can exist in that moment. But that doesn't mean that you're oblivious to what it is you're experiencing and the suffering that that person is going through. I know you were in digital publishing Yes, always. but I also know that 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 has also been a skill that you've mm -hmm. actually used in um, what mm. you do today. Yeah, absolutely. And so, actually, that was a corporate mm. um, Pearson Education, in fact. And I did digital publishing. They brought me in to publish higher education textbooks, turn them into digital textbooks, but not when you say digital, that can be a flat thing that happens on your computer or your or your smartphone. But they brought me in to actually turn these things into what they call interactive textbooks. So you use digital um, to bring a book alive for the learner. And there were lots of different tools. And I'm sure this was a few years ago now. So I'm sure the tools have expanded already. There's a lot that can be done. You don't have to read flat text. Text can be turned into podcasts like this. Text can be turned into pictures. Text can be turned into interactive experiences that bring the content alive. And at the end of the day, content is there to teach and educate and to expand our awareness of whatever the subject might be um, or the context might be. So the more you can bring it alive and make it feel real for the person who's receiving that content, then the more effective the learning experience. And actually, the more fun it is, the more effective people learn. I mean, research shows that the more fun um, a learning experience is, then people are much more likely to remember it and therefore learn something. So, yeah, that's what I did. I did that for a few years as a consultant, and it was great. 
I learned a lot actually and it did move me into where I am now definitely there we go but if I can bring my experiences to give to um and the, and the fact that I have grown the way I have grown if I can use that in a way to facilitate for others to be able to find a different way then that's a good thing doesn't it <laughs> yeah no absolutely um You've had exposure to poverty worldwide and, and all the problems that are associated with that. But you've decided to focus on a very specific area. I stumbled across, actually, as a digital publisher, I stumbled across the concept of digital literacy because in the, in the modern world, information literacy is now digital. So the more I got involved in this and the more I did research, I start I started to realize that no no one is offering the AB what we now call the ABC of digital. Now we all know that when you learn to read and write, you can't just give someone a book and expect them to do something with it because they actually need they need to learn about the shapes of letters and how you put letters together to create a word. And then you learn to decode those words. I mean, it's a process. You can't just give someone a book, but that's what people are expected to do with digital technology. Now, and they're expected because the people who are decision makers are like us. I've, I've had an email for 25 years. I've been using technology. I've grown with it, even though I'm actually much older than a lot of the people that may be listening to this. I have grown and evolved with it in a very privileged scenario and situation. But we have millions in this country who have not even used it before. 37% of South Africans don't even think the internet is relevant to them. So, and yet here we are, yet the dig digital technology and all the advantages that it brings is racing ahead at a rate that you know I mean every year it is just so and then of course we now had COVID so um, people have gone even more online and so has education and hey hello that just means millions and millions are being left behind even more so so um, yeah so that's kind of um, that's why I'm doing that's how I got into the space and <laughs> That's why Sharp exists. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, uh, that it it takes it must take tremendous courage to start an MPO, a nonprofit mm. organization, or insanity maybe, <laughs> or, or <laughs> insanity um, you, you, from scratch. Yes, and, I didn't know what I was doing, and by yourself. Yes, well, not completely, actually, um, not completely. We, what, 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 the seed of the idea was you. Yes, it was, yeah, mm. it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think it's more likely insanity. If I'd known then what I know now, I don't know that I'd have done it. But, but then once I, the thing started, it sort of became impossible to stop. Although there have been times, really have been times when I just thought, why am I doing this to myself, regardless of anything else? Why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through constant rejections? Um, I mean, really, you have no idea. Um, it's been very, very tough. And, and, yet, and yet I knew deep down that what Sharp is doing, it's very innovative and it is quite different from the usual stuff. Yeah. So, I, so what I understand, want to know is just for you to explain um, 
why you're putting yourself through hell because you obviously <laughs> have a very strong belief in what you're doing. So mm. explain what it is that you're doing. Okay. So, so if you've got millions and millions of people who don't think that the internet is relevant to them, and then you've got a whole chunk of also millions of people who are actually engaging with smartphones and are using the internet for Facebook and social media and watching videos and having fun. Um, and, um, and yet you, I'll give you an example. I think there was a, there was a huge, University of Johannesburg uh, study that came out a few years ago showing that in townships only 14, 1-4% of small businesses were using digital in any way. Now, can you imagine trying to promote and run a business um, and for that business to have any kind of long-term future if it's not on the internet in some way and it's not and the the, the the business owner is not actually using the internet in any way and yet that is the reality on the ground so um so what are we doing basically we want to we want to leapfrog <laughs> i suppose working in communities which we do but we also are developing these courses which people can do on their own smart on their smartphone themselves independently. So if they're working, they can do this as a distance learning um, opportunity. And we've tried to make these courses as accessible as possible from the point of view of the English being very easy to understand. There's nothing to write. So if your literacy, your written literacy skills are kind of, you know, you're frightened of that, um, you don't have to, you can still learn doing these courses. They're fun. They've got videos in them, little quizzes. You do an assessment, you get scored. Um, and the feedback is it's fun and it's a great way to learn. Um, and it is content around this digital literacy space to kind of give people it's like, a, oh, you know, understanding that this is what you can do for your business, for example. I'll take the business. We've got a short course, which is called Digital in Your Small Business. And it, it's, it goes through, it has three starter digital tools for your business. Get your business on Google Maps, and this is how. Um, your email. Now, only three out of 10 people in South Africa actually have an email. And most of them don't know how to use them. So we know we are talking a really large number of people here who are not even using an email, let alone know how to use one. You know, and when you mentioned that, um, that actually really struck home for me because the email is such a basic tool mm. uh, in in terms of being able to enter the digital world you you know if you want to um, really uh, exploit the internet uh, mm. to, as much as possible mm. you have to have some sort of entry point and it's usually an email so it's, right. it's not only a, just a communication tool it's if you want to join this and this organization or that course um, mm. if you don't have an email address you can't <laughs> You can't. Thought, oh my gosh! You know that that three out of ten. I mean, that's yeah. nobody. You know, and and the and we have people who come into our centres, um, and they don't have emails, or if they do, they don't know how to use them. They really don't. They say, "Oh well, yeah, I had one," and so and somebody at an internet cafe uh, set me up with an email address so I could apply for this job, but I don't know how to get back into it. Hmm. So so there's a literacy around using it. You see, it's not just having one. Um, and it is so simple, and we just find it hard to imagine that people wouldn't. But 
So what Sharp is trying to do is assume you don't know. And that doesn't mean in a negative, that's not treating people like idiots. It's actually giving people the opportunity to learn. It's the foundations. We all need that ABC in whatever it is that we're doing. It's as simple as that, really. So I'm enjoying what I'm doing because because the feedback is great. So I know that it has an impact on individuals and we see that because we get feedback from them. Um, and and that keeps me going. I just, no one else is doing anything like it. Now, maybe some big boy will get it together, but the difference will be that if they do start offering what we're offering, they won't be sitting on the ground. There are lots of offerings out there, digital kind of bring South Africa into the fourth industrial revolution offerings out there. Um, but you go into a township and most people are not are completely unaware of it. Something has to change so that the average person living in a township actually starts to see digital technology in a different way. Something huge has got to change to open those digital doors. What I found interesting about what you said is I think like the conundrum of your target market doesn't Mm. necessarily know that they need you. No, I thought that was such an interesting, an interesting problem. Yeah, and I and I sometimes wonder whether so-called experts and educators can stop to kind of imagine that. Again, I think this is an empathy thing. Um, Why bother? Why would you bother to learn something that you don't know what the benefits are to you? If the concept of what you're going to gain from that is out of your range of perception. Um, then why would you bother to spend precious time, which actually if you're if you're struggling in terms of finding a job and you're struggling on very small amounts of money, and I mean people earn pittance, don't they, if they're lucky to earn something, people are living on unbelievably small amounts of, of money. Um, so every day becomes a process of trying to feed yourself and maybe get yourself a job if you can. Why are you going to spend time learning something Unless you can see a fairly immediate gain because you've got very immediate pressures on you. And this is a challenge. I mean, it is definitely a challenge. We, we find that a challenge. We find there are two big challenges. One, that people don't, don't see the benefits and they don't have the time and they're distracted and life is hard and tough. Um, and what was the other one? There's another one. Oh, fear. We've had people walk away. They're frightened to even hold a tablet or a smartphone. We don't do anything on computers, by the way, nothing. Everything is on a smartphone because the idea is that you need to be able to go home and practice or you can even learn at home, as I said before. But, but um, yeah, so we've got the fear. Fear factor is a very big part of it. Uh, so if someone says, I don't think the internet is relevant to me, you, that would need to be unpacked. What does that actually mean? I mean, how much of that is a fear issue? It's like, I don't understand it. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to use it. Therefore, it's irrelevant to me. I think your journey is is actually really tough. Those of us who do have um, access to the digital world have no concept of, you know, how big the problem is. Um, and I think people like you are actually spreading the message I hope so. Um, it would be nice. And both ways, you know, of the, both ways across mm. the divide. 
Yeah, I hope so. It's a form of poverty, and it's a very modern form of poverty. We all we have so many forms of poverty. Can't I can't address them all, nor can you. But it is a form of, and it's a very modern form, and it's rapidly becoming more so. It's another form of exclusion. So the term digital excu- exclusion gets thrown around, but it becomes a digital poverty or poverty. If you can't get a job because you can't apply for a job, um, and because you're not digitally connected, and then. I mean, what was I talking to someone just the other day um, about how can we get mass digital jobs in South Africa? Now, actually, if you think about it, what how was the proportion of jobs need some kind of digital skill anyway? Now, I know we've got huge numbers of unemployed people here in South Africa, um, but how many of the jobs that are out there would they be able to do without these digital skills? And as digital technology becomes more and more advanced, um, this is just going to become more and more of a problem. We we welcome anybody. If anybody wants to use this tool, it's there and it's for free. And you can be a part of it and you can use it because that's kind of what we're trying. That's a nice, that's a good way of rolling it out and, and, you know, helping more people have that opportunity to see things in a different way. And some of the feedback, we've had at least three different learners say to us, that was mind opening. That opened my eyes. Now that's great, isn't it? Mm. If you open your eyes or you walk through that door, you can't go back. If you would like to find out more about Catherine's work, go to shopdigital.co.za. A special thanks to Freesound. This podcast was brought to you by Digital Storyteller.